How do I find a new job? How can I make a career change? And the biggest question of all, can I really find a career that I love? Hey, my name is Jen Smith, and I believe career success doesn't have to be at the expense of living a radiantly happy and healthy lifestyle. As a former HR leader and recruiter turned career coach, I get what companies are looking for when hiring top talent. What that means for you is an unmatched combination of insider knowledge and the best kept secrets about making heart-based career changes and navigating the ups and downs of job searching in today's world of work. Whether you're a recent graduate navigating the job market for the first time or a seasoned professional ready for a career change, this show is for you. So grab your coffee or your kombucha, pull up a seat and get ready to be challenged and inspired to move beyond your self-doubt and take the right next steps towards landing a career you love. Because you deserve a long, radiantly happy and healthy career. This is the Flourish Careers Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Flourish Careers podcast. I'm your host, Jen Smith, and I'm thrilled to be here for the third installment of Flourishing Together, a monthly segment dedicated to curated conversations with industry insiders sharing wisdom and strategies for improving work and well-being. Today, I am delighted to introduce you to Philip Wilkerson. Philip is an employer engagement consultant at George Mason University Career Services, and in his role, he serves as a liaison between employers and the GMU community to make sure that career opportunities like internships and jobs are made aware to students, faculty, staff, and alumni. This is near and dear to my heart for multiple reasons, but one of my favorite jobs in corporate was leading a team of university recruiters. So coming from the employer side, we recruited and hired hundreds of students and recent graduates all across the company, and it was such a fun job. So Philip oversees a ton of different industries. I'm going to name a few here. So we've got media, arts, entertainment, hospitality and tourism, technology and engineering, and many more. He's achieved multiple awards, including 40 Under 40 for GMU Black Alumni and for the Northern Virginia region through the Leadership Center for Excellence. Philip is also a speaker and hosts a podcast called Positive Filter, which focuses on well-being and infusing positive thinking into everyday life, which is right up my alley with my favorite mantra, nourish to flourish. So Philip is married to his wife, Maggie, and he's a father of two boys, Bennett and Miles, I recently listened to an extra special podcast episode with eight-year-old Bennett, who joined Philip for a very memorable Take Your Patriot to Work Day, and I learned that Bennett thinks his dad's job is to walk around and talk to people, which was so adorable. And through this episode, I also learned a couple fun facts that Philip and I have in common such as our love for the amazing and delicious food in New Orleans, cannot get enough of gumbo and jambalaya, and that his ideal vacation with friends is a cabin in the woods, which is right up my alley. So, Philip, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, This is great. And uh, thank you so much for, you know, listening and enjoying. That is one of my favorite episodes to record. It was with my son. Honestly, my favorite episodes usually for the podcast 
are not famous or, you know, people that are out there, but usually my family and friends, giving them an opportunity uh, to share their voices and their stories. And, you know, so a few of my favorite episodes is one with my son, one with my actual, my father, uh, who was uh, one of the first black students to go to VMI. And then my late father-in-law, Jeff Kirsch, who recently passed away, but we talked about intergenerational living. So for me, you know, my podcast is not just a, you know, a thing to like, connect with famous people is honestly just to archive uh, stories and, 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 and connect with people that are in my life. I learned new things about my own son that he wouldn't choose me in trivia. He, he would pick his boy Lucas over his dad. So things like that. So this is just a pleasure uh, to talk about that and share and just be on your, your platform today. I'm really excited. Thanks, Philip. And I have to tell you, I did listen to the episode that you recommended with your late father-in-law, and it was such a beautiful story of generations coming together and living together and so much amazing wisdom and advice. So thank you for recommending that and using your platform for those really meaningful conversations. I think that's even more important these days, especially than, you know, kind of tips and tricks and the kind of average stuff that we hear on podcasts. So thank you for that. Yeah. And, and you know, surprisingly enough, you know, my wife and my mother-in-law have just, they they have refused, not refused, but they just can't listen to that episode uh, for, for obvious reasons. But then the, the inverse is that I I barely listen to my own episode. I, I don't know. I just don't like the sound of my voice. It's weird, a podcast host. But that episode is one that I at least listen to bi-weekly, you know, just to hear his voice. Because we're going to go into mentorship for him uh, living with my father-in-law he was more than a father-in-law. He was really a friend, but he was a mentor, you know, like a life mentor. And so when I get to listen to that episode, it's a way for me to tap in and think of things like, what would he do? Or how would he think? Or, you know, I still feel connected to him. Uh, so, you know, for those that create, when you create content, don't always, I'm not really honestly not doing it all the time for visibility or to like promote myself. Honestly, I, I like to do it to leave like almost a digital footprint, like, my son, my son can find this, this content later and listen to, you know, episodes and things like that. So it's, it's basically an archive, right? We're, we're writing our own story, but we get to actually capture our own stories in recording and audio form, which is really cool. I never thought about that. Like, you know, it's like almost like we wrote our own book and yes. it's something that's going to digitally live on beyond us. These recordings, these, this podcast, you never know, Google our name, Google Jen Smith and Philip, and someone will come across this episode and listen to a conversation uh, years down the line. So I, I just, I love that opportunity in podcasting. I love that opportunity in sharing and creating content and media. Yeah, and it's so much, I think, more impactful than what you mentioned, like reading a book, because the voice and the connection and hearing the person, you know, and having that connection and, and going immediately back to that space where you did connect with that person and had that conversation is so special. So I just love that I have goosebumps on my arms, which is always a good thing when, when you have a conversation and connect with someone. So thanks for sharing that. And I'm glad you mentioned your father-in-law and mentorship because that's really what we wanted to talk about mm -hmm. today. And, you know, I know that mentorship for you has been very impactful. It's a tremendous aspect for many people in, in living a happy and healthy career path. So I'd love it if you could start with a personal story or an example of how mentorship has helped you either grow in your career or your well-being or overcome challenges or anything like that? Well, um, now that I think about it in the, in the form of like what mentorship means, I feel like we've like, you know, sometimes made it as more complicated than what it is because 
Uh, when I say that, we literally naturally have mentors in our lives all the time. Maybe they just don't get the title of mentor. You know, for instance, I don't think Jeff really, you know, my father-in-law really called himself my mentor. You know, <laughs> like he was just giving me advice. I listened to it, right? And so I can have multiple stories in an informal setting and a formal setting, right? And that's something I always talk to when I do presentations about mentorship is that sometimes it's organic. It's just someone that you gravitate to at work and they're senior to you and they just give you advice or it could be very formalized, like you you join a program and you get matched, right? And so I have multiple stories, but I'm gonna share one story on both ends, if that's okay. So in a formal setting, I remember that I'm a, a, I belong to a lot of associations. One of them is NACE, the National Association of Colleges and Employers, right? And so, you know, I love formalized programs where you fill out a profile and you say your things, your goals, and then someone on the other end, maybe a mentor, fills out their profile and what they want to do to help give back and you get matched. So one of my most impactful mentorship relationships in a formalized way came out of that NACE mentorship program where I filled out the form and then Samara, who, Samara Reynolds, who I wrote an article with, she filled out the form. And we already knew each other. But then we got this canned email, you know, like introduction email, like, hey, Philip, we'd like to formalize, you know, formally introduce you to your mentor, Samara Reynolds. And I text her on the side, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I'd like to take this seriously. You know, like we got matched. Obviously, you want to buy in, I buy in. I'd like to, I'd like you to be my mentor, like almost like that was formal, like asking. And we did, we met, we still meet monthly to this day. And it was very organized. She, she, in our first session, she's like, we already know each other's friends and colleagues in the field, but if we're going to make this a formal thing, what are your goals? How can I help you as a mentor? And, and how can we have organized and structure and agenda? She likes to have agendas with her meetings. And, you know, one of my goals was like, I want to be more comfortable as a writer. So that's where we wrote the article together. She's like, I'm good at writing. I've done publications before in the career space. I'll, I'll co-write one with you so that you get that courage to do it. And I've since then have published articles on my own. So that is a formalized one that has really transformed my life. We stay in touch. I ask her career advice, but honestly, she's really still a friend. She's more of a friend than a mentor, but we take that serious. We take the formalized process serious as well. In an informal one, I could just name multiple ones, but I'm just going to go to one that came up recently, just popped up in my head from a recent trip. In the 10th grade, I went to Mount Vernon High School and I participated in an all-Black male leadership class. Um, the class was seven period, meetings every day it was study hall. And this was before, uh, I guess it was allowed, you know, there was a big push for all-Black spaces. So I had a teacher, his name was Mark Holbrook, and he went around on paper during football, during football camp in August and signed us up manually for this 10th grade leadership class. And then we had this class and that's where I met all my best friends. It's where I met, you know, the godfather of my children, Hillard McMorris, all these guys. And the reason why I popped up is that we just linked up and we've had over 20 years of friendship. We went to Vegas together just recently, like two weeks ago. But that was informal because um, I stayed in touch with Holbrook. He left. He's not a teacher. He rose up in the ranks of education. Coincidentally enough, he married one of my cousins. So we were in family. 
when he had his 50th birthday, he invited me to his 50th birthday and he would walk around and say, this is one of my students. I'm so proud of him. And so that was an informal, informal thing because we stayed in touch. He was like an uncle to me, a teacher, educator, uh, I think kind of now informed me now that I think about it in hindsight, uh, just uh, by watching, observing, that's kind of where I led to the education space and supporting black male students was kind of like a, who was my mentor and who do I look up to, look up to Holbrook and now I'm becoming a Holbrook. But he never, we never defined that. We never said, hey, you know, uh, Mark Holbrook, or I still call him Mr. Holbrook and he still says, call me Mark. Mr. Holbrook, like, are you my mentor? We never established that. So I wanted to share those two stories where it was like very formalized and very organized and just organic, just people you look up to and you and you want to be like and and guide you. Yeah, I love that you shared both sides of that because I think sometimes people do get caught up in this like, it has to be this formal program and they get upset when, you know, they're working for an organization or they're at a school or whatever that doesn't have it. And I have multiple conversations with folks about creating it. Like you can create this, however, and make it what you want. And two things that stood out to me when you were talking, one is the way that formal and informal mentors can help shape you as a human and shape your career. And maybe you don't even realize it like you were sharing there. I think that can be so impactful. And the other thing that really stood out is the effort. So there's an effort to stay connected in these relationships. And it's easy to not stay connected, but clearly you've made an effort with both of these relationships to stay in touch for so long. So let me just ask a quick follow-up question to that. Is there a trick to that? Because I feel like life can just get in the way. And so how do you make it a priority? Or I guess maybe that is it, making it a priority and calendarizing it or any tricks to kind of keep that connection going for so many years? I learned early on that my wife jokes with me, you know, you know, I have, I have, I've actually become more comfortable sharing this publicly. I have ADHD. And so uh, she's like, your life is chaotic. Uh, you're not organized. But when it comes to relationships, you're the most organized person in relationships. And I think that's because it's an interest of mine. And for someone that's neurodiverse like me, I hyper-focus on it. Creating systems, you know, I think like anything, creating a system helps maintain things. So when I knew that I like friendships and relationships, I systemized it, right? I have my own CRM. You know, my own CRM is an Excel spreadsheet, you know, that I have a list of emails that people I want to keep in touch with. Or, you know, I, I have calendar reminders saying, hey, check in with someone. So I've systemized it and 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 prioritized it, as you said, because it was important to me. Um, and that's something also I learned from Jeff is that he prioritized relationships that filled him up. You know, I think a lot of times the initiator gets resentful. You know, usually it's, usually one person is a, a driver of a relationship. But if that's the habit that you formed or that's the role that you play, I've learned over time to get less resentful and just say, that's who I am. You know, I'm a woo. That's one of my skill sets is, is fostering relationships. So for those that are not as system, systemic or, or organized, Here's some quick tips that I would share, right? Is like organize it. Make your own uh, schedule or Excel spreadsheet and capture emails and things you want to stay in touch with, right? So that's one way that you can do it. Two, another thing is find ways to connect other than just, you know, calling. Like I have, make a newsletter. You know, like it's funny, say that, that's crazy. Like why would I need my own? Use MailChimp. You know, my mom is old school. She used to do like newsletters. Uh, we were military, so we moved around a lot. So my mom would get people's, physical mailing addresses, write out this like, 
year in review and then mail it to her friends. That's old school, but we could, we could do that now with technology or leverage, you know, social media. And I think, like you said, blocking time, you have to save time for relationships. You know, uh, I do a thing. This is one, this is probably my random brain is that I don't sit on reminders. So like, if I, like now that I had a conversation with you, Jen, uh, I would say, wow, I just thought about Holbrook today. Let me send him a text. I do it while it's top of mind before I forget, right? Like, and I think another thing that I found was really good about fostering relationships is finding ways to like strategically jump back in people's lives. So for instance, if I read an article and it and it's something I think that you would appreciate, I'll send you the article. Say, hey, I thought of this article. I thought you would appreciate it. So finding ways to like, um, you know, jump back in strategically with conversations. And then fun, gamify it, make it fun. Um, one thing I challenge people to do, uh, this is just a quick thing, it's called bottom four, is go scroll to the bottom four text in your text and just start the conversation off where it left off and see how random it is. It's fun, it's weird, it's, you know, it might be awkward. I don't care because it's kind of funny to me. But things like that, you know, like find little funny ways to, to stay in touch. That's ways to do it and and like foster and grow relationships. So I think whatever system you create, it has to be systemic and has to be prioritized, like you said. These are so fun. These tips are so much fun. And I love that you shared more formal, like put it on the calendar. I feel like I just had a conversation with my little career community about this, like get it on the calendar. If it's on the calendar, it's going to happen. So maybe you put like a reoccurring quarterly, you know, check in with somebody that you really want to foster those relationships with. And then I love the in the moment things too, you know, like someone pops into your head, send them a quick text, let them know you're thinking about them. You're probably going to make their day, you know, and then the strategic element too, like you see an article that you've talked to somebody about and you're sharing that and what a great way for professional relationships and to stay in touch, which could always lead to new opportunities and conversations. And oh, so fun. And the gamification of the text, I'm going to do that today. I don't know who's at the bottom of my list, but that's yeah. going to be so much I'll fun. I'll do it too. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. check in. Well, I'll do it too and see what happens. I think another thing too, um, working in employer relations is one, like we talk about leveraging your networks, but just be attuned to all the publications. So I subscribe to newsletters, I subscribe, like I get the alumni magazine. I think alumni magazines, you know, like the Mason Spirit or George Mason, uh, James Madison is a perfect tool for re-engagement because I sweep through that. Uh, I sweep through that alumni. I go to the class notes section, see if I know any names in the class notes section, and then I follow up with people. So literally you're getting a, a monthly engagement tool, you know, so use that like, or we get a weekly email at Mason called the George. I sweep through real quick. If there's nothing in it, I delete it. But if there's a story like faculty, you know, a faculty award, I know that faculty member, I'll forward and say, congratulations. So I, I look for patterns. I look for things, as you said, to, to re, to reinvigorate relationships and pop up back up. And the funny thing is people don't like to feel random, you know, like, oh, they don't, they don't remember me. But I guess it becomes like, because I built that as a system, most people don't get mad at me for popping up out of six months. That's me. And so, you know, get over that fear of reengaging. And then also I've learned over time about not taking it personal. Q-tip is that if someone doesn't respond or ghost you, I've learned now over time in my life and heavy times in my life is that you don't know what other people are going through, like empathy, that like I've had people, you know, pop back up at a, you know, a year later, six months later and say, Hey, you know, I'm sorry, I, you know, we haven't been engaged. I was going through a, you know, a very messy divorce or 
I was going through grief or something like that. And so you don't know the people's stories. So just, I would say, almost like the prodigal son, if you're that person too, have an open door policy, meet people where they are. And when they come back into your life, you know, don't hold grudges and stuff, you know, kind of just say, okay, cool. I'm, I'm so sorry you're going through that hard time. How you doing? Because I, I love those relationships where you don't see each other for years and then you pick up and it's like time never left. Right. So I, I think that's, you know, just kind of meeting people where they are. My father-in-law was great at that too. I like, I'm a, he's top of mind right now, but he would literally be talking to people. He's like, I haven't talked to this, this dude in 20 years. He was my old colleague at my first job and he would just have hour long conversations with them. And he loved that. Like that filled him up. And that's the kind of person I am too. So those are some ways to, you know, basically water those relationships, let those relationships grow. And, and for me, and relating it back to mentorship, is that you know that you'll need mentors in different stages, right? Like uh, maybe I need the mentor for this first job, my entry-level job, and then that relationship tails off. But then you pop back up in another time where like now you're looking for that relationship for a director-level position. And so there's times where I've had quote-unquote mentees that graduated, phased out in life, and now they're coming back in my life and we're alum together and we're we're in a different space and we're maybe more peers now. So that's that's just the open door thing allows for transition to and relationships to change. You know, I'll tell you, Philip, when, when we started this conversation and wanted to talk about mentorship, I did not connect the mentorship with the networking, but what a huge connection that is. You know, so many light bulbs going off in my mind as we're having this conversation, because you're right, it doesn't have to be a moment in time or just one season of career. It can be forever and it mm -hmm. can come and go and ebb and flow just like, you know, the seasons of life do. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's just such a huge point for people to, to take into consideration. Now, you just mentioned, you know, being uh, a mentor and having mentees. So do you mind, I would love to hear a story that stands out to you about an opportunity where you were able to mentor someone, you know, at a, at a particular point in their career. And I imagine there's tons of them because you have students all day long. Yeah. So maybe yeah. there's one story that yeah. pops up yeah, that you that's could hard share. To say. I mean, like I said, I got my list. I, I, I'm, I got like, I think in my life, if I count it, I think I've had over 30 mentees. Um, and when I say that, like, you know, like seasons and come in, formalized, informal, you know, through, uh, you know, an actual program, like at Mason, we have a well-being mentor who is a tech, like we, that was a formalized program at Mason, but I'm also a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, which is the first historically black fraternity. So in that informal space, I've met, you know, had little, you know, young frat brothers that are my mentees. A boom is probably one of the most strong student leaders I've ever had the pleasure of being around just mature. Honestly, we met monthly. <laughs> I don't even think he was really asking for advice. He literally was just a sounding board. And I would say like, did you think about this, that? But he, phenomenal leader. Graduated, got in, employed, doing great things in his career. And then I keep in touch with him. I see him in alumni events. I say, yo, a boom, send me your resume. Uh, I, I nominated him. He's a 40 under 40, you know saying? With me in Northern Virginia. And so we're involved in this new relationship now where we're peers. We're in the, we, uh, I made a group me for all the 40 under 40. I corralled them. And now a boom is a peer, right? He's, he's, in, he's in the industry. He's working. I probably work with him uh, on employer relations now, or he leads uh, employer resource groups. So I ask him for questions on how do you, what do you do for your employer resource groups? Because I'm leading one now at Mason best practices. So that's when a mentor, a, men, a mentee relationship with a student has transformed into now they're an alum 
and their peer, they're, they're hanging out. We, you know, I tell, I, I make a joke. I say, you know, I'm not going to have a drink with you until you're alone. Even if you're 21, I ain't trying to get canceled. But once you graduate and walk across that stage, you're no longer a student of mine. You're a peer. So we, we can talk like adults. We can go to the bar and, and be adults now, you know, peers. And so that's where that relationship is transformed. A boom uh, is now my peer. He's an alum. We're, we're connected. So that's an example I like to share. Uh, and I, I have countless stories like that with young frat brothers who graduate and now they're my peers in the podcasting world, like Jermaine Azu. Like he's a, a young mentee that now we podcast together and talk about podcast collaborations. So those relationships transform from student to now alumni peers. I love this. And it's just just the words that keep coming up are shaping opportunities, you know, over the years. And it might not be every day, every mm-hmm. month, you know, but then it comes back together when it's meant to be, quite frankly. And it's just such a beautiful thing to be able to support each other from that perspective, you know, with the employee resource groups and the sharing of best practices and how things are working or not working, you know, so Oh, I love it. I think that that's such a beautiful story. And I can totally relate to the fraternities and the sororities. I was in a sorority in college and I have lifelong friends and, you know, mentees and mentors from that organization that I will never, ever forget. So I think it's just a great way to, you know, meet people when you're first starting out at college and and just make lifelong friends immediately. So excellent. So let me ask you this. So sometimes I feel like people struggle to find mentors. And we talked a little bit about they think it's this formal thing. Or So talk to me about how you think people can find mentors within their immediate network, or maybe there's a way to leverage technology even more today, like you were mentioning earlier. Excellent, excellent. Well, somewhat, you know, I think uh, join professional organizations. And if your go-to is not being extroverted, look for the formalized ones. Formalized mentorship matches really help alleviate some of that awkwardness for those that are not extroverted. But let's say in real life, right? I think the best way to go about it uh, for informal mentorship or just someone you look up to is two things, is authenticity and intentionality. So authenticity, right? Like mentors don't get you jobs. So don't go up to someone and say, I look up to you, can I get a job, right? That seems scammy. So the authenticity part is like, hey, Jen, I'm, I really admire what you're doing in this space. Can I just ask you a few questions about your experience? I really love to learn from you. And if you go about it like that, let's have a cup of coffee, very informal. I just want to ask you questions about your career and your thing. Most people will give you 10 to 15 minutes of their time because one, they know that you're not getting over them. You're not trying to sell them on anything. And it feels good to feel flattered, right? Like to feel like someone do that. So if you're going to do it in an informal way, I would say be authentic and be intentional. The intentional part is don't just say, can I ask you questions? Be intentional, like say like reference things that you want from that you know person. Like I see that you're a director of an office. I, I look to do that one day. Can I ask you a few questions on your path to becoming a director of an office, right? So the more that you're authentic and intentional, um, I think people will be receptive to a conversation. And, and key word is, just try to have a conversation. Don't think that you're going to, that first um, interaction with someone is going to lead to a long-term relationship. Maybe just think in the moment, in the present, I just want to get this person's time for 10 minutes. And just really, if I can have that person's time for 10 minutes, take full advantage of that time with good questions and authenticity and all that. 
Now, at the end, let's say you are vibing with that good conversation. You could say things very simply like, I really enjoy this conversation. Can I check in with you from time to time? Or can I follow up with you? And most times I'll say yes or no, whatever. And back to my earlier point, Q-tip, don't take it personal. Maybe the person is burnt. Maybe they're saying, I'm so busy. I'm so sorry. I can't commit or I can't do that right now. And you say, thank you so much. I was just really grateful for five, 10 minutes anyway. I appreciate it. And I'd love to stay in touch. The end, right? And so I realize that most people are okay with that, right? I shoot my shot all the time um, on LinkedIn. Uh, one way to do it on LinkedIn is send when you send the note, make sure that you, when you connect, add that note. Like I reached out to you on LinkedIn for X, Y, and Z. I'm looking, to, I look forward to learning from you and da, 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 da. I stay connected. And worst case scenario, I tell this to my students about networking all the time. Worst case scenario, they don't respond or they don't accept your request. I lose no sleep, right? My day goes on. Now, let's say we're doing it in person at a conference. Maybe we have that awkward conversation, exit H, exit stage left, and that's okay. Like, I don't, I think we need to get over this ego of being embarrassed. You know, I, I will say, uh, you remember I told you no, no bad things, uh, bad. Well, I don't like Nene Leaks, but whatever, because, and this is, this is where my story is going to go with Nene Leaks. I was at um, a hotel and um, for a conference, and I saw Nene with her friends. And my uncle was with me and I said, can I, let me go ask Nene for a picture, right? And my uncle said, go do it, right? So I woke up to Nene. I said, hi, my name is Philip. I love your show on Real Housewives. Can I take your picture? What do you think she said to me? No. No, I'm busy with my friends. Well, she didn't say that. Like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm at dinner with my friends right now. I'm not up for pictures. And then I look back, my uncle's laughing at me. Now I got a funny story to tell you about Nene Leaks, but I didn't die. I, you know, my life went on. I kind of laugh about it. You know, like it, 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 there was no, there was no hit. You know, she didn't punch me. She didn't, there was no harm there. Right. So we had to get over that. Like when you reach out to someone with, I was authentic, right? I was authentic and I was intentional. It didn't work out, but I lived. So just thinking about that, when you're, when you're reaching out to people that you look up to, if you're authentic and intentional and it don't work out, you're not going to, don't lose no sleep. Try with someone else. If you do it, that, if you do my technique with at least 10 people, I guarantee the Philip Wilkerson guarantee that out of 10, at least three, at bare minimum, three will 30%, 30% will respond to you and say, sure, I would love to talk to you. And then be organized, like send them a calendar link, you know, like alleviate the, the struggle for them. Say, hey, thank you. Here's my calendar link. Let's find a time that works for you. So the more you're doing that, the more you're organized with that, I, I would, I will guarantee you, you will, you will get a new relationship out of that. And maybe, maybe just one conversation or not, but you will get a new relationship if you try my techniques for sure. So many words of wisdom there. And one of the things, you know, two things that, that popped out. One is the shoot your shot. So I say that phrase all the time within my community because you can't score if you don't shoot, yeah. you know? So I love the story and I'm so grateful for you sharing, you know, the one that didn't work <laughs> out because you know what you did get from it is a funny exactly. story. I mean, that's a great story. I, I love it. And the other thing that's coming up as you share that is taking accountability. So it's not like you're putting all this pressure on the other yeah. person to be a mentor. You're taking accountability. You're bringing the questions. You're setting up the meetings. You're mm -hmm. taking that accountability and making it easy for them to say yes, which I think yes. is critical in mentorship and in networking. So there's so many, you know, again, so many layers here that we can yeah. unpack. It's really, really good information. Uh, that would be a good technique too for those that are interested in building relationships is reference some of your similarities in your inner in your intro 
Find things you have in common. I love it. I think one of the things that I can usually find in common with somebody is location. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, maybe you visited the city that they live in, or maybe, you know, you like the same sports teams, or maybe you've lived in the same city at one point in your career. You know, all of those things can just bring immediate connection to the the table. So, sports, sports are great. Schools are great. Locations. So, like, I look, you know, the reason why I like Samara so much is that. She honors like diversity, equity, inclusion. She's the things she posts online. Use that as a reference. You know, like, wow, she posts like this. I can, you know, it's not performative. You know, I definitely see her values exhibited online. And then um, I think just roles in your life. Like when I meet someone for the first time, you saw when we got online before we recorded this episode, you referenced things that are more important to me than my job, my son, my role as a father, all those things. So I usually... I I mess with people. When they say, what do you do? I say, I'm a father that happens to have a job, right? Like get to know people beyond just their titles. Introduce yourself beyond your titles. So the main thing about a mentorship relationship is questions about the human experience and and that, like how was it moving to a new town? I, I never lived in Denver before. How was that moving away from family? Those are the kind of questions you want to ask a mentor, uh, not some things you can Google. I love the real life stories, you know, get a peek behind the tent and get into the real life stories, be genuine. You know, that's really how the relationships are are, are brought uh, to the forefront. So, so Philip, this has been such a delightful conversation. As we wrap up, I would love for you to share what I call a flourishing favorite. So either a piece of advice, a book, a podcast, a resource, something that's significantly impacted you in your career. Uh, for Christmas, my cousin Lisa got me a five-minute journal. And it was a tool so that I can journal very quickly to write down, you know, three things I was grateful for and three good things that happened that day and all this stuff and affirmations about myself. And I didn't realize then, you know, that was really one of my first real well-being practices. And I started just diving down over, like they started referencing things in the in the in the beginning of the book. And that kind of, honestly, that started me, beyond the podcast, started me on this well-being journey where I like to learn about it. And then I will say one thing that really kind of blew that door wide open is that I studied the science of happiness from the Greater Good Science Center. I would attribute those things as my flourishes. The five-minute journal and just any resources from the Greater Good Science Center, learning about, you know, happiness and stuff. And then there's so many courses. There's one at Yale for like happiness, you know, these these edX courses are good. They're just good, pract- you know, practical courses on how to in- implement well-being into your life. Music to my ears, my friend. Two more connections we have. So the five-minute journal, obsessed. I found another one my husband gave me called Three Moments of Joy. So when you're ready to go to a different, there you go, he's got it right here. When you're ready to go to another version, the Three Minutes of Joy is a beautiful uh, one to to use as well. And then the Greater Good Science Center. I subscribe. I'm part of their community. So I. this is all such fun connections. So, Philip, I have a feeling that many people are going to want to connect with you after listening to this episode. So where would you like to send folks? Uh, LinkedIn is pretty good digitally. I'm really active on LinkedIn. I love connecting with people on LinkedIn. And then if you want to listen to my podcast, Positive Filter, uh, you can find it on everything and hit me on DMs on that too as well. But, you know, professionally, just... And, and personally, LinkedIn is probably my good shot. You know, I, I love connecting with new people and building relationships on that platform. Excellent. We'll make sure we have those links available. So that's a wrap for today's episode. As always, you can find the notes 
on the Flourish Careers blog at flourish.careers slash blog. Thank you, Philip, again for your wisdom and everybody for tuning in. And I got about five or six questions for you around mentorship. Does that work? Um, you know me. I'm, uh, oh, you don't know me, but um, 